What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Drew. And I'm back with Drew Presents. Um, so what's up? How's your week going? Um, the show is a little delayed because I had some shit going on. And let's be honest, a nigga just ain't on time. No, but I, you know what's so funny is I pride myself on being on time. Like, I'm the most prompt person you probably will ever meet. Like, I'm very anal about being on time because I feel like it's ridiculous that people will say, okay, well, the party starts at one o'clock and you show up at one thirty. Or maybe I shouldn't say party because I think a party might be a little different. But let's just say we're having like a birthday dinner or a birthday lunch. And it's like, be there at one and here you come strolling in at two. And it's like, uh, <laughs> still, I'm the person that's going to get there at 1245. And then I'm waiting on the people that's not going to get there till 130. So now I've just got to the point where I'm like, you know what? Go to the bar, get a drink. If I'm hungry, I will even order me food. Oh, well, you said one. I was hungry. I'm not waiting for you to get here till two o'clock to eat. Fuck out of here. So let's go into how my week went. So the week was pretty good. Um, the house is coming along. Um, I actually went there tonight. Um, and all of the framing is up. Um, not all the plumbing is in. Um, what else? I have steps. Uh, you know what's so weird is because you, when you walk in, <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, it just looks, <laughs> it looks like a bando. And I, for people that don't know what a bando is, it's basically like an abandoned house and, pe <laughs> and people might just live in there. That's what it's kind of given itself. Or maybe some bandos might have sheetrock, but that's what it kind of looks like. Um, but it's kind of exciting. Like I always feel like this process is really, really exciting because... You get to see it from scratch and you can write on like the framing. You could write on the wood, you know, like little things. Because who knows, like maybe one day somebody might knock, knock down a wall and they're like, oh, these people used to live here. So I will say with my first home, I wish I would have done that, but I didn't. Um, but for this home, I'm going to make sure that we definitely do that. Just put a little message in there. Make it was... Say it was made with love. Now, the funny thing would be if the people who buy it are homophobic and then <laughs> they'd be like, oh my God, homosexuals used to live here. Which will kind of bring me to, if you think about it, I wonder if people, because like for the, most, for, for the most part, most of us, well, not I shouldn't say most of us, but for the people that are renting, you don't know who's lived there or even for people that brought, who's brought a home, if you brought a, we'll say a seasoned home, not a used, but a season home. You don't know who used to live there, so you don't know what type of activity was going on. So I wonder if, hmm, I wonder what that, what that would, I don't want to say give, but what that would feel, what that would feel for that person. Like, would they feel some type of way about that? I don't really know any homophobic people. I'm pretty sure I do, but not somebody I would actually speak to about that. But anyway, back to the house. So it's coming along. Um, we have steps. It is a three-story, so um, there's steps all the way up. Um, you can just see the framing, the bedrooms, all of that. Um, when I was leaving, I actually met the neighbor, which was kind of cool. So 
it's a townhouse. So the the person that lives right next door to me, he he was pulling up as we were leaving, and he was like just standing there. And I'm like, hey, you're, I was like, hi, are you are you gonna be moving here? He was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, we're we gonna be moving here. I'm your neighbor. Nice to meet you. He was like, nice to meet you, homie. Whatever. So, um, he was black, which was good because you, I just, not that I shouldn't say that it's good because you never know, but I feel like black people, when we, <laughs> when we meet our neighbors and they're black, we look, all right, we good. But sometimes you just never know. But he did seem like he was probably a chill person. I mean, we didn't have a conversation, like much of a conversation, but hopefully he's not cool. I just hate living next to people that are dickheads and, um. Like, even, like, where I'm living right now, um, the people that live across the hall, I mean, they just move there. They're fine. They're not big assholes. But, you know, you can just tell, like, they just give laziness. And it's just too much for me. But, um, yeah. That's pretty much been my week. Just looking at the house, working. Um, I did look, look at this YouTube clip. And I think at some point I want to talk about it on the show, but I'm probably not going to do it till I have a guest because I want to get more feedback on it. I just think it would be dope. Um, so I hope everybody's having a good week and let's just jump into these topics. Start with number uno, the first topic. Here we go. So we were just talking about me and me purchasing a home and all of that. But, um, which it leads me to the first topic. I don't know why I said but, um, why do I, maybe I'll say but, um, a lot. But anyway, it leads to the first topic, which is, so for any of you who don't know, if you're a first-time listener, I am originally from New York. I actually was born in Harlem, so I was born in New York City. Um, my parents then moved us from New York City to Long Island because they just wanted us to have a suburban life, and <laughs> so we moved to Long Island, and I pretty much grew up on Long Island, so I'm not a city kid. Um but obviously, I visit the city all the time. But this is in this is in regards to New York City. So, I saw this article and it says New York City is offering low income first time home buyers one hundred thousand dollars towards down payments. So when I saw that, I said, "Oh my God, a hundred thousand dollars towards a house? That's like amazing, right? Who wouldn't want a hundred thousand dollars to go towards their?" The purchase price of a home, whether you're using that for, and let me just be clear, because you could use it for down payment or you could use it for closing costs. Um, so when I first read that, I was like, oh my God. But then it registered in my mind. I'm like, wait, the houses in the city are kind of high, depending on where you go, where you're at. And then I just took it a step further and I decided to research. So like I looked at, a, um, I believe it was a three bedroom, two bath house in Ozone Park. And it was... So I was like, oh, so then you just get $100,000 off. So then that's half a million dollars. Now, depending on where you work, how much you make, what your family size is like, you know, you might be able to afford that. But some people might can't. So, okay, I kept reading. So the part 
that got me was it stated that, well, these are some of the requirements. And this is what got me, the requirements. So it said, um, it goes into talking about how the program works, but it basically says if you have to have make, you can't make more than a certain amount of money, right? And that this is considered to be low income, right? So I'm like, oh, low income, right. That makes sense. Low income, they're giving you $100,000. That makes sense. So it says for a family size of one. So that would mean one person. It's just you and that's it. You cannot make more than $66,850. You heard me right. $66,850. That's considered to be low income? <laughs> I, I'm confused. And, and, and maybe it's just me. I mean, I'll just say this. If it was me and I was trying to get a house in New York City, I make way over that. So I can't, I wouldn't even qualify for this program. But... When they said $66,000 was considered to be low income. I'm just confused. I'm really confused. Are you confused? So. So as I so then I said, let me keep reading. Maybe, Maybe I'm missing something. So then I kept reading and then it just starts talking about you must be a first time home buyer. Um, again, your income level can't not be above that. Um, you have to complete a home buyer education course. Um, you have to contribute a minimum of 3% down towards the purchase price. So whatever the house is, um, whatever the purchase price is, you have to put down 3%. Um, have an employment, an employment record. Sufficient financial services, blah, 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 blah. And then the last one that got me said, you must live in the home for at least 15 years to receive the full benefits of the loan forgiveness program. So not only do, so let me go back up here. So that means if it's three of us, right, that live in the house, right, and we, we can't make over $85,000, right, $85,000. The three of us need to live in this house. Now, maybe it could be me, your wife, or your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. But we both can't make over $85,000. And and we can't move for 15 years. Or else whatever, I guess it's probably, I should have probably did the math. But for 15 years, you just can't move. So let me just do the math really quick, right? So... My calculator is bugging out. But in other words, for 15 years, you can't move out of the home. Or else they'll basically charge you for um, for leaving the house or whatever. So, so basically, that's about $6,666 a year that... You pro- so I guess if you left two years early, then you would owe them a little over thirteen thousand dollars. 
and I'm assuming it doesn't say that, but that's what I'm just assuming. Um, but I just couldn't get over the fact that these numbers are outrageous, right? So even if someone like me, I couldn't live there. I couldn't even benefit from this program. You know what I mean? And I guess I'm for some. I guess it's like, well, how much do you expect people to work? To how much people? How much do you expect people to make in New York City? And survive. So I can't even make more than $66,850 in order to qualify for this, this payment plan. And let's be honest, a $500,000 mortgage, depending on how much you put down, uh, that's pretty pricey. And then you see why people nowadays are in their, you know, well into their 30s and they're, they have roommates. Or you'll see somebody that's probably... In a one-bedroom apartment, that's probably 500 square feet paying buku money. But I guess New York City is the live spot, so that's where people want to be. So it just makes sense for everybody to just be there. Excuse me. But I just thought that that was so crazy, and I thought that it was so odd. And it just made me also feel like then, let's just be honest, most people that's probably, let's just probably use two people that are probably... Home health aides, and I'm not trying to come for anybody. Let's just say it's a man and a woman. Two people, they can't make over $76,000. They might both make 30000 a year. So, yes, they make $60,000 a piece. To, I mean, not a piece, together. And now they're going out for a mortgage. Now, depending on what your car note is, what credit cards you have, if your DTI doesn't meet the approval rate of this loan then you can't even get it. So to me, it's almost like this is setting people up. <laughs> like it's not realistic. And I need to see if anyone actually benefited from this program because it says it's been out since, when does it say? I saw it somewhere in here. It said the Home First Down Payment Assistance Program, program which first launched in 2004. So maybe they weren't given $100,000. Maybe they were giving something else. I'm pretty sure it was less. Um, I'll look that up and see. Maybe give you the update on the next show as to what that amount was. But I wonder how people actually benefited from that. Even when you look at some of these New York City apartments, like people, like they have the low-income housing apartments or whatever. Um, and it says you have to make between this amount and this amount. And you're like, well... I don't qualify. I might make I might not even make enough to even qualify for that one bedroom. And then I heard something about and I don't know if this is true, but I heard that I should ask my friend cuz he's in a low income housing apartment and they said that when you move into those places, you don't have all access to all of the amenities. Like some of the amenities are not available to you. So here it is. Yes, you might get this one bedroom apartment for, let's just say, $1,500. And the regular price in Brooklyn might be, I don't know, $2,400 for that one bedroom. So you're getting a big, huge discount. But they feel like, well, if we have a gym, if we have a laundry room, if we have, um, I don't know, a computer access room or whatever, then you don't have access to that. But it just started to make me think here, because I live in a luxury apartment here in New Jersey, um, where, you know, like we have a clubhouse, we have a gym, we have a yoga room, 
have a swimming pool. It's a lot of stuff that happens here. We don't necessarily have like a, what do you call it? A computer center or whatever you call it. But if I want to go to the front office, I could be like, hey, I have this something to something to copy. Or can you fax this for me? Can you? They have no problem doing that for you. They're very accommodating. We have trash butler service. We have package concierge here. Like there's a lot that happens here. So I just wonder like if you, if living here, if, if they do have low income people here, is, do you skip over that apartment for the trash? It's kind of fucked up when you think about it. All right. That's all I got to say on that topic. Gonna roll on with topic number two. The word of the day. <laughs> Why do I say the like that? But I feel like the the biggest elephant in the room is depression, right? People say, "Oh, I'm depressed," or some people say, "I'm not depressed," or "I don't want to feel depressed," or whatever it is when it comes to depression, right? So I, it got me to thinking, like, because the other day I was having, like, a down moment. And I was like, you know, I think I might be depressed, right? And upon thinking that I was depressed, I said, it's almost like you can't be depressed, right? It's like we have to always be strong, you don't have, excuse me, sorry. It's like you have to always be prepared to take and accept anything when it comes to just being a black man or just a man. Well, I'm not going to say man because I'm not white, I'm black. When it comes to being a black man, like you don't have the opportunity to have feelings or emotions, you know, and I'll tell you a quick story. So something happened personal in the family and within my, not my household, but in another household, like with my family. And it was almost like this traumatic thing happened. And then I was supposed to just sweep it under the rug and just keep it pushing. Like as if this just shouldn't occur, like this shit didn't occur on Friday and now Saturday Saturday we acting like shit ain't happened. And I'm just feeling like I'm I feel like I'm almost tired of constantly having to sweep this dirt under this rug. Cause it's getting a little dusty under there. Like what's going on under there? Like bitch, are y'all cleaning? Where's the where's the maid at? And I think it almost stems from my parents because I feel like and this is something that I always say when I have children. I feel like if something is going on in a household with the family, I feel like we should discuss it as a as a family. And of course, obviously, the adult should make the final decision. But I think that in order for your children to be better communicators, I think that you should involve them in topics that might help the family or that's at least affecting the family. So let's just say... I don't know. So just to say this is a, it's a household. Because I'm not going to say mom and dad because we're not on that level. But let's just say <laughs> let's just say there's a household with two parents. And 
I don't know, maybe one of the parents lose their job. And now the parent is struggling. And, you know, they're struggling to pay the bills. And now maybe the things that the children were used to getting or maybe going out for ice cream or going to the movies, now that's no longer um, accessible to them. So I feel like as a, as a family unit, that's affecting the household. So we should sit these kids down and say, you know, we just want to check in and see how you're feeling. Like, I know dad hasn't been working. Are, are you feeling some type of way? I feel like that's, that should be normal. And we need to normalize that. And I feel like when I say this to some of my friends, they be looking at me like, bitch, are you crazy? Now, I don't have children. So maybe I won't have the time. Maybe when I have kids, I'll be like, the fuck? No. The, the nigga ain't working. Who cares? I'm handling it. They'll be okay that they can't go to McDonald's for these next two months. Excuse me. They'll be all right. But I feel like that's not... That's not what I'm going to do. And to my parents who are listening, I want you guys to reach out to me. True Presents, the number one at gmail.com if you would like. Um, and tell me, do you, do you agree with me? Do you disagree? You know, do you think that conversations of importance, and maybe that's kind of a bad scenario to give, but um, let, let me give this one. Maybe this is a better one really quick. What if, okay, there's, two, there's a two-parent household and one of the parents goes to jail and now this child, now the children are like, okay, mommy's gone, you know, where did she go? And maybe you tell them, maybe you don't. But even if she's missing, shouldn't you at least say, hey, how are you feeling about mommy being absent? Like, I know she hasn't been here for three months. Are you okay? Or do you prepare them before they even leave for the for the 90 days or however long the um, jail stand is supposed to be for? So to me, I just feel like that's open communication and that's just going to create better communicators. And I feel like... My parents didn't do that with us. So it also, it makes me feel like, well, Drew, where the fuck did you get this from? <laughs> where did this come from? But I think that's just how it goes, even with me, when it comes to my relationship. Like, I'm always constantly trying to express my feelings and asking people, well, how does that make you feel? And how do you feel? Because I feel like, ultimately, everyone's feelings should be on the table. Or if I say something to you, you should be able to to respond to it and tell me how you feel. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to come to an agreement or we're going to be like, oh my God, yes. But I think that's the goal. The goal is to understand that everyone has feelings and it's not just about you. So yes, you as the parent and that parent that's in jail, yes, you're, you're affected, but so are the children. You know what I'm saying? Maybe so is the family pet. Obviously, you can't talk to a pet now, but... <laughs> Everyone is going to be affected in the household. From the bills, to you, to the children. Everyone is going to be affected. So I feel like open communication with the family makes sense. And I think that's something that I'm definitely going to implement. And if I don't, I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I was a motherfucking lie. <laughs> I'll be the first to say it. But I, I think knowing who I am... 
at the age that I am that I'm going to definitely stick to that because that's what I do with my friends just now. Like even if I have an argument with a friend, I want to talk it out or we have a disagreement. Let's talk about it. What happened? How do you feel? This is how I feel. And not just letting them talk and me not say anything, but I'm responding to them as well. Obviously, once they complete their sentence, you shouldn't cut people off. So that's just my take on that. So if you think of something, just let me know. Look, see, with me running my mouth, I forgot to say, <laughs> I forgot to bring it around. That was the whole point of me bringing that up with the, the examples, was that I feel like that's why children sometimes will feel depressed because they don't know how to communicate their feelings or they don't know how to co communicate what they, what it is that they're trying to convey to other people and they suppress it, suppress it, suppress it. And I think as long as we do that, we probably won't be afraid of depression or even being able to say, I am depressed and standing in that and not being judged for it. But I also think that it'd just be easier for you just to stand up and say, this is how I'm feeling. All right, so let's roll into this final topic, which um, is actually a letter that I received. So I'm gonna, it's really long and I'm not reading long of it because it's too long. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, I'm going to skim it. All right. So the person says, hey, Drew, um, I've been married now for 16 years. Oh, not 16 years. Okay. I've been married for 16 years and I'm thinking about divorcing my spouse. I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. We went to marriage counseling. We've even went to the local church to try to get help. No matter what we do, we just can't seem to get along. Then it goes into some personal stuff that I'm not going to mention. See, this is why my ass should have read this before. Because I wasn't prepared. <laughs> okay, so... Alright, so basically, she's asking... Should she stay or should she go? Um... I don't want to say the personal stuff because I feel like that's just too personal. <laughs> um, so should she stay or should she go? So these are my thoughts. I think that obviously you've been married to this person for 16 years. I'm a firm believer in time does not mean you should take abuse. So, and it doesn't mention anything about abuse in here, just to clear that up. But I just want to make sure that when I say abuse, meaning... If someone isn't treating you correctly, if you're not seeing eye to eye, then to me, that's a form of abuse because clearly you're not acknowledging my feelings and you're taking it for granted. So just because I've been with you for 16 years doesn't mean that you get to treat me how you want to treat me or at least not even try excuse me, to fix whatever issue that I have with you going on. And I think that people honestly... When you're in a relationship, you're constantly trying to figure out, oh, well, I, I want you to do this for me. But I think ultimately, like I previously said, it's more so about just listening 
and acknowledging that I heard you and I'm going to try to do better. Doesn't mean that I'm going to completely change into that because that's just not realistic. But I do think that if someone says, okay, I don't want you talking to me that way or I don't like it when you come home late and I've been here all day with the children, then you need to do something about that. And maybe whatever, maybe your job is preventing you from being home early. But maybe you can say, okay, you know what? On Tuesdays and Wednesday, I'm going to make it my duty to get here before this time. So I think if that person is not being respectful and they're not listening to what you're saying, then ultimately, you probably should exit stage left. Close the door, shut it, lock it, bolt lock it if you're in New York City. Put the chain lock on. Vamos. Son of a bitch, like Jay-Z said. I think that we just, at this point, you spent 16 years with this person. It's time to go if this person is not willing to change. And maybe you can even do something like a a trial period or maybe, this is what I'll say. Maybe you should do something like this. (sighs) Say, in order to be with me or in order to continue in this relationship, this is what I'm going to require. If you do not meet these requirements, unfortunately, we can't be together. And then say the same for just to the other person. Like, what are your requirements? Like, what are you requiring from me? And how can we make sure that we're meeting these requirements and we're both happy in this relationship? If both parties want to be in a relationship, this should be an easy task then to me to say, okay, I don't want the refrigerator door left open or... When you come home, take your shoes off. Don't walk around my house with the shoes on. Whatever the issue is, you should be able to meet, be able to meet in the middle, come together, get it fixed, and move on with your lives. This should be simple. And if not, you know where the door handle is. And it's, I'll say this really quick and then I'm going to let you guys go because I've been talking too much. When I was in therapy... My therapist said to me, he said, Drew, you just told me something about somebody coming to your house, right? I said, yeah. He said, but this is your house, right? You pay the mortgage. You do this. You do that. Why don't you know all of the ins and outs of what's going on? And I said, I shouldn't know that. He said, you don't, you don't set boundaries. And that's when it clicked to me that these are my boundaries and this is what what I'm going to tolerate and this is what I'm not going to tolerate. Obviously, you don't need to tell somebody what you're going to tolerate, but I'm not going to tolerate this. Once you cross this line here, then you and I cannot go forward, unfortunately. And that is my boundary. And if you cross that, then you can't get mad at me because I told you what the boundaries were. And some people might look like, oh, well, it's, a, it's not a rule. It's, it's my boundary. This is my boundaries. You have to be respectful of that. And if you're not, then see ya. So that's what I leave you with, emailer. Boundaries, talk, communicate. If the therapist ain't working, if the the church ain't working, none of that's working, just be out. So that's the show, guys. We've made it another week. I'm sorry it was a little late. You're probably going to be listening to this on a Thursday and it's supposed to be Wednesday. But, like I said, I appreciate you guys for tuning in, for listening. Um, 
I so appreciate it. Like you guys, I really appreciate it. And even the feedback. I love the feedback. Um, rate the show if you can on uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, my Sorry for that interruption. Um, so like I was saying here, rate the podcast if you can. And I appreciate you guys for listening. And I'll see you guys. Well, not see you, but I'll, you guys will hear me next week. And I'm going to have a guest next week for sure. I just confirmed it. Um, And if you guys, like I said, if you guys want me to talk about something in particular, hit the email. If you want to send or ask me a question by any means necessary, you can definitely send it in. And I'll read it. If you want me to read the whole thing, I will. Um, The reason why I didn't read this whole one because it was just too much information. It was a lot of information that I felt didn't make any sense. Um, I shouldn't say make no sense, but it just was too much information and you guys didn't need to know all of that. Um, anyway, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you ah, and you guys will hear me next week. Good night.